gospel, the gospel according to Luke, the third chapter. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Licinius, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths, fill every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, we're here. The second Sunday of Advent. And when we get to the second Sunday of Advent, we arrive with John the Baptist. The formers of our lectionary, our Revised Common Lectionary, when we get to the second and third Sunday of Advent, we focus on John the Baptist and his stirring us up for Advent, his preparing the way. And John is out in the wilderness. Luke tells us that this happened in a certain moment in history. This was not a made-up thing. Certain person was a Caesar. Certain person was governor. Certain people were high priests. Locates it right there. But even more so... When you think about all the power brokers and all of, I mean, that's where it was at, the chief priests and then Herod Antipas the, and then the governor Pontius Pilate and Caesar Augustus, all of this. I mean, that's where you would think God would show up. But no, God is out in the wilderness and a voice comes to John. The word of the Lord comes to John, just like the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament, or Samuel in the Old Testament. Wouldn't it be great today if John the Baptist could give us something in our wilderness? So the word has come. Now when you hear the word wilderness, as a biblical scholars that I know you are, after sitting in these pews for so many years... Lots of things come flooding in. Wilderness, oh, the 40 years of wandering, the place of temptation, the place of failure. The wilderness is what the people went through on the way to the promised land. The wilderness is where they wandered. But not any wilderness. The wilderness that John is in is out by where? The Jordan. 
And then you would go, oh, that's right. When the people came into the promised land, the waters of the Jordan River were parted. And that started the new movement of Almighty God. So John's out there in the wilderness, and all of those imagery comes flooding in. Well, the word comes to us in our wilderness that's a little different wilderness. As we continue to wrestle with isolation and worry and fear, a new variant. And then the frustration that many of us have, whether it's because we're still wearing masks or not wearing masks or whatever. The disinformation that seems to always be out there and then trying to figure out who to trust and who to listen to. In our wilderness of just here we go into the holidays, into those darker nights, into the rain of being in the Northwest, there's a lot of wilderness in our journey. And this is the second Sunday of Advent where we wonder about peace, the peace candle. And John comes in to us in this kind of wilderness and we hear the words, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And John's preaching is about repentance and forgiveness of sins. Boy, wouldn't it be great if John could give us some peace today in our wilderness? Well, perhaps when we hear the word, the voice crying in the wilderness, a quote from Isaiah, what we're hearing is a definition of repentance. Make God's paths straight. Prepare the way of the Lord. Now, in the passage that you heard today, there's something that happens that you don't notice in English, in your English translation. The first part, if you even get out your bulletin, if you want to look at that, that's great. The first part about prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, that's in the imperative. Now, what is it? In English, we usually do what for an imperative? Well, if you did that for every verb in Greek that's an imperative, you'd have a lot of exclamation marks. We usually put one at the end of the sentence. There really should be one here because those are an imperative. But then a switch happens. And I'll talk about that switch in a minute. But So imperatives are something we do. So here we're in Advent. We're praying for the Holy Spirit to stir us up. What do we do? What does it mean to prepare for the Lord? What does it mean to repent? What does it mean to make God's paths straight? Well, before we go to the what we should do, Let's stop for a minute. Is preparing really what we do? Doing something? Like Martha, when Jesus came over to Martha and Mary's house, like cleaning up the house, that's what we think about typically. I better get my act together. God's coming. I mean, if I, could, if I had even a quarter for every time someone said, Pastor Bill, I'll come to church, but I got to get my act together first. 
I mean, I would probably have at least 200 bucks. You know, when we hear prepare, we think law. We think, oh, I better get busy. I better get doing. But what did Mary do? She took the posture of a student, which, by the way, was radical in that day for a woman to take the posture of a student before a rabbi. Jesus didn't say, what are you doing? You, you're a woman. You can't do that. No, he, in fact, said, Mary did the best thing. Maybe preparing the way for the Lord, letting God's paths be straight, first and foremost, is listening. I love it, you know, going back to my sport days, the coach would always say before the game, what? I don't want to say it too loud because, here, turn my mic down a little, Hayden. Listen up! Or... The teacher would say, quiet down. Maybe then preparing is quieting all the other voices that are drowning out God's voice. Are there a lot of voices today? I would say that the modern problem that we all face is noise. We are constantly bombarded with noises and voices. And it's hard to figure out which ones to listen to and which ones not to. And I mean, I'm the podcast king. I listen to podcasts everywhere I go. But there is a point, though, where you just need to stop and move away all those other voices. That's what you're doing right now, by the way. Now, the old adversary said, you don't need to go to church. You don't need to be there. Just stay on your couch. You're fine. You know, but what you do when you come here, you say, I'm going to quiet those voices and I'm going to put myself in front of God's word. Maybe that's what preparing an advent and letting the Holy Spirit stir us up means, is to put ourselves before the preacher, not just Pastor Bill and Pastor Jonathan, but before the word, before the liturgy, before the Lord's Supper, before the promise of baptism. Maybe that's what it is when we pray and just be quiet for a while. Maybe that's what it is, you know. So, so that's what stirs us up. Mark Allen Powell says, look, the Holy Spirit's coming at us. The Holy Spirit's going to get us, but what should we do? Well, let's at least make ourselves as big a target as possible. Now, there is stuff we do when it comes to repentance and preparing. That's the text for next week. Jonathan gets that. Good luck. <laughs> John, John the Baptist, after our lovely text today, will say, You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee them the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. And then he starts talking about what we do. But that's Jonathan's next week. In this text, after we hear, listen up, we hear a switch now in the verb tense. Remember how I said we started with imperatives? Well, the valleys being lifted up, the mountains being brought low, and you can switch it there, Katie. Um, that's, and the rough, crooked ways being made straight, those are in the indicative mood. 
the indicative mood, and I know you all remember your English and all of that, but the indicative mood tells about something that's accomplished. It's happened. It's been done for you. It's not what you do. It's been, it's been something that's been done for you. It's happened from the outside. They're in the indicative mood. So yes, we prepare, but what we think when we read this text is we think, well, we better start filling in the valleys, and we got to bring down the mountains, and we got to straighten out the crooked places. No, that's what God does. And John says that the salvation of God is coming, and everybody's going to see the valleys being raised up, the mountains being lowered, and the crooked places being made straight. And who is John pointing to? He's pointing to God, of course, but who's going to do all of this work, this construction? I mean, that's a lot of work. Well, that's Jesus. He's pointing to Jesus. So Jesus is going to raise up the valleys, he's going to lower the mountains, and he's going to straighten out the crooked, crooked places. That's what we're listening up to. That's what we're here for, to hear about. So how does Jesus do this work? How does he deal with the valleys and the mountains and the crooked places? Well, let's take the valley. Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Yes, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. By the way, have you ever thought, you know, like... Um, how can a rod comfort you? Well, it won't comfort you if, it's get, if you're getting beat up with it. But if that rod is beating away the wolves, then it's a comfort, huh? At any rate, 